this is a uh, this is a great day, and it's uh, it's a wonderful thing for uh, our present and for our future. And uh, so I want to do something today that uh, is inherently dangerous, and that is that I want to thank specific people uh, that have helped throughout this uh, project. You know, it's. It's a dangerous thing because there is always the risk of someone that is deserving uh, somehow not being mentioned. And so I hope that if that happens, in spite of our best efforts, that you will extend uh, uh, us, and by that I mean me, uh, some, uh, uh, some grace. I want you to know that we appreciate everything that every single person has done. Uh, so many people have done uh, so many things. Uh, we appreciate the actions of everybody throughout this uh, process. And if we miss anyone deserving, we are uh, very sorry. I hope that you won't take it personally. Sometimes I forget my wife's name. Uh, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I'll be with uh, close friends and get to introduce them to somebody. And I'm like, this is, what's your name again? Uh, so, so just know that it, it happens. But I, I, hope that, uh, I hope that we won't. Uh, mess up too bad here. But, but uh, these folks, uh, in, in my opinion and the opinion of our church staff, uh, just went over and above and, um, and really were very helpful throughout this uh, process. And so as I call your name, uh, I'm going to ask you to stand and uh, just stand there in your seat. And I'm going to say a few things about you. And uh, then we're going to clap uh, crazily for you. All right. All right. Uh, the first is a group of gentlemen that uh, we want to especially thank. Uh, as I call your name, please stand. Paul Leffler, V. Tran, Adam Collins, Robin Wood, and T.J. Giannotti. Let's give these guys a hand. Stay standing. Stay standing. Stay standing. These gentlemen went over and above in a variety of ways, helping us throughout the construction project. This included uh, giving us a lot of help in moving our offices, uh, tearing down the stage and setting the stage back up through the multiple times that the carpet had to be redone, uh, all these kind of uh, special uh, things that they did for us. And they were just available and willing to help any and every way uh, that we needed it. V was helping so much around here that he eventually scored a job with the contractor. And uh, so, so he, uh, he helped in a volunteer uh, basis. And then he, he, he also was around here like, I see V doing stuff. I'm like, what are you doing that for? Well, they're, they're, they're asking me to do it. Like, he, he was just so skilled at everything he did that our builder just kept saying, hey, V, why don't you do this other thing? And uh, so V helped us out in a lot of ways. We're very appreciative of that. He would even come in every once in a while and fix us breakfast in spite of all the other stuff he was doing. So that was a, a big deal. By the way, uh, V's the one who ensured that the eggs were ready for you this morning. So we're thankful for that as well, V. And, uh, and then I also want to say a special thanks to Paul Leffler. Uh, Paul, whether we are in the middle of construction or it's just normal times around here, Paul Leffler is here two to three days a week, most weeks, helping us with anything and everything that we have a need of help for. And uh, so we're very appreciative of that, uh, Paul. So let's give all these gentlemen a hand. The next group of folks that I want to... Uh, 
uh, thank our, uh, our decorating team. And uh, so if you like the way things are looking around here, you like the new carpet, you like the, the way the foyer looks and the colors and again, the carpet and furniture and all that kind of stuff, if you like that, uh, these are the, the ladies that you want to thank. If you don't like that, these are the ladies that you can complain to. Uh, but uh, no, actually, just don't complain about that. Uh, but we are very appreciative of our uh, decorating team. Uh, they are Karen Collins, Stephanie Vandenberg, and Michelle Bird, if you ladies would stand. Look at that. They even sit together. They even sit together. I think Stephanie and Scott are on vacation, uh, but I think things turned out fantastically, and uh, these ladies were very helpful. Uh, Karen uh, does this type of thing vocationally, and so she was tremendously helpful to us. Uh, we appreciate that, Karen, so uh, thank you very much. Let's give them another hand. Someone I am extremely uh, thankful for is uh, Joe English. Uh, Joe, yep, go ahead, give him a hand and then I'll talk some more. There you go. The uh, company that Joe owns did all of the uh, site work uh, for us here, which of course included preparing the site for the uh, construction of the building. Uh, it uh, included all of the work on the parking lot except for the actual paving, but everything under that they did, uh, installing the retention pond, uh, as well as improving the uh, property to the north of us that improved our sight lines when we're turning out of here and uh, probably a bunch of other things that I don't understand they did. Uh, but Joe's company did this, and he did this. What I want you to know, he did this while saving the church thousands and thousands of dollars. And we are very appreciative for Joe English. And then while Joe's company was uh, doing this work for us, one of our members was working for him. And so I want to thank Joe Suver, who did most or at least much of the operating of the dozers and all of that kind of work throughout this process. Thank you, Joe. And while I'm sure Joe English is not happy about this, I want to personally thank you, for Joe, for allowing me to drive a bulldozer. <laughs> I was scared to death, but that was awesome. It was the most enjoyable, scared to death experience I've ever had. So, so thank you, and I apologize for almost knocking you off of it and running you over. So, right. Let's give Joe another hand. We had a group that we called our building idea team, uh, basically our building committee. I just don't like the word committee, so we called them building idea team. And they did excellent work throughout the entire planning and design phase. Uh, it really was an awesome experience working with each of these people. Uh, the, the meetings were, were good, they were productive, they were unified. Uh, these folks just did a fantastic job. And so as I call your name, please stand. Once again, Joe English, was, he was a part of that. Tirza Hammond was a part of that. John Notstein 
Rob Sexton, V. Tran, Scott Vandenberg, both Mark and Patty Werner, and Mike Wolf. If you all would stand, let's give them a hand. Greatly appreciate the work that you guys did. Greatly appreciate the unified way that we went about it. And uh, so very, very thankful for you guys. We also want to thank our capital campaign team for their excellent work in helping to present the plans and the vision for this project to the congregation and assisting us with the process uh, that led to nearly $475,000 being pledged, which is awesome. And I'm going to thank all of the donors in a minute, but let's do it right now. Thank you, donors. And of that 475,000 being uh, pledged, we have now received $439,408 of that, which is 93%, which is awesome. Uh, a lot of fundraising experts will tell you to expect 90, uh, 85 to 90% of what is pledged to come in. We are already at 93%. And I'm actually pretty confident we are going to get very close to 100%. And uh, so I know that some of us have needed a little additional time, and that's good. That's no problem at all. Uh, but we hope that you'll be able to, to uh, see that through and push us all the way to 100%. If we get to 100%, pastors are going to be asking me to come and talk to them about how to do it. And I would, I would just love to play the role of guru for once in my life. So... Let's get us across the line. All right. All right. So here are the members of the Capital Campaign uh, team. Steve Bonasso, who is also on vacation today, but we're very thankful for Steve. Rob Sexton also served on that team. Patty Werner also served on that team. And Andrew Lang, birthday boy, also served uh, on that team. Thank you, guys. Great work, very appreciative uh, for you guys. And of course, I mentioned it just a, a minute ago, we want to thank each and every person who shared the vision for this project and shared it to the extent that you were willing to donate to the project. We thank each and every one of you uh, from the bottom of our hearts. I thank you from the bottom of my heart that we have received 93% of what is pledged already is absolutely fantastic. I cannot thank you enough. None of this would have happened without you. And so on behalf of the leaders of VCC, thank you and give yourselves a hand. I also want to thank our staff, Michelle, Heather, Stan, and Tirza. Sorry, Kentrell, you missed the construction. <laughs> so I have to thank you for something else. I want to thank them because they endured an incredible amount of upheaval over the... Stan, come on. Stan. Tirza. <laughs> They endured an incredible amount of upheaval uh, over the last couple of months or so of this uh, project. They were 
dislocated from their uh, workspaces. Uh, they, they all had, in different ways, uh, an incredible amount of additional work that resulted from uh, the expansion uh, project, and yet they endured all of this, uh, persevered well, uh, didn't have any uh, anything more than mildly tense moments that came from it, and uh, so 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 nothing that um, you know could have resulted from the amount of upheaval we were dealing with, and so to our staff, I am extremely thankful uh, for each and every one of you. I also want to say a special thanks to Stan. Uh, Stan uh, stepped into the gap that was uh, created when uh, when Ben. Uh, our assistant pastor accepted a lead pastor position in Indiana, and Stan came into uh, the church staff in his, uh, as he um, jokingly calls it, his uh, part-time temporary, what, what all do you add to that? Interim associate pastorship. He stepped into this role at a time where things were crazy and uh, was extremely helpful to us. His skill set uh, was really helpful. He has repaired furniture. He has, he has uh, done some finished work on cabinetry. He has just done all kinds of things, uh, uh, everything that has been asked of him. And uh, so we appreciate that, Stan, and appreciate each of our staff members for this and for everything they do all the time. So let's give our staff a great hand. I want to thank our elders. A project like this cannot happen uh, if they do not approve it. And so I want to thank them for embracing uh, this project, embracing the vision for it, giving the go-ahead for this project. Uh, so if you would, uh, stand, gentlemen, and if you guys would, give these men a hand. Uh, Andrew Lang, let's give them a hand one at a time. Andrew Lang. Jeff Hammond, these next two became elders during the process, but they were both huge advocates of what we're doing even before they became elders, and so very thankful uh, for these men and thankful to now have them as elders in our church, John Notstein. and Mark Warner. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you very much. And finally, we want to thank our builder who is with us today. Uh, I'm going to ask Daryl and Kathy Rohr, the owners of Covenant Group, to come and uh, join me on the stage now. Daryl and Kathy, if you would, just come on up here with me. If, you're, uh, if your grandchild wants to come with you, they're, they're welcome to come. Nope. Oh, no. Oh, no. They don't want to come. Let's give them a hand as they come. So this is the uh, third project that I have uh, been involved in with Daryl and Kathy, and this is the second project our church has been involved in. Uh, their company also built the sanctuary that we're in this morning and converted the original building when we first bought this place uh, back in 2008 and 2009, and of course then uh, did this project for us. And uh, Daryl and Kathy, I just want you to know how much we appreciate you and, uh, and the way that you approach helping churches. Uh, these folks truly look at this as a ministry. 
And I want you to know that, and, and hold your applause for just a second. I want you to hear everything I'm, I'm about to say. We have been saying around here for a long time among our leadership that Daryl and Kathy probably saved us a quarter of a million dollars uh, compared to other builders on this project. But it actually occurred to me as I thought about this a little bit more that we were not comparing apples to apples. We were comparing apples to oranges. We were saying that they were saving us maybe a quarter of a million dollars when the other builder was not giving us near as much as what they have now given us. And I think if you compare apples to apples, it's closer to saying that they saved us somewhere around $450,000 compared to what it would have been <laughs> without them. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so let me ask you this. Do you think that they might be deserving of a hand clap? <laughs> yeah. Great work, great work, appreciate it. Daryl says, never again, <laughs> never again. <laughs> so, this is kind of awkward. Do you, do you mind me sharing the story that you shared with me about uh, when I called you about this? Do you remember that story? Yes. So, Daryl and Kathy have been building churches for a... a <laughs> Daryl and Kathy have been building churches for uh, a lot of years, but as I understand it, over the last few years, they've had other type of work, but they haven't been doing a, a lot of churches or maybe not doing many churches at all. And they had actually started to pray and ask God, you know, is our time of building churches uh, maybe just, just over? Has that season of our lives uh, passed? And it was right around that time that they were uh, considering that, uh, that I gave them a call and said, hey, would you guys... Uh, want to come and talk to us about uh, adding on to our uh, facility here. And as I understand it, correct me if I'm wrong, but they took that as a little bit of a nudge from the Lord that uh, your season of building churches is not over. And as I understand it now, you are building, getting ready to build another church in Lancaster. And this couple, their company is a tremendous blessing to churches. And so they're getting ready to build one in Lancaster. I'm sure more are going to come from that. And what I want to do now is just pray God's blessing over them, that they're able to continue to be a blessing to churches uh, for, for as long as God has them to do that. Would you just stretch out your hands toward them? I just have one thing to add. Yep. This is oh, how oh, God oh. Works. I, literally, I literally said, if by March 31st... Oh, TJ's running to the sound booth. Hold on. Hold on. I don't All right, go right ahead. If by March 31st, you haven't shown us or given us a sign, we're, we're going to take it as done. We were sitting at Brio's having dinner on March 31st, 8 o'clock. He goes, what do you think of this? And there was an email from Brian saying, we want you to come and build our church. I said, That was an even better story than I remembered. <laughs> that was awesome. Why don't you guys come right over here. If anybody wants to join me, Jarrell, uh, maybe some of our elders, if you feel to join me. The rest of you, just stretch your hands out toward this couple. Let's 
Pray God's blessing on them and on their future uh, as they uh, help churches out. God, I thank you so much for Daryl and Kathy. God, I thank you for the tremendous blessing that they are to us. I thank you, God, that they enabled us to do this project because, frankly, Lord, you know that without them, uh, we, we, we were meeting an obstacle that I, I'm not sure we could have gotten over. And so, God, we, we appreciate this couple deeply. And, uh, God, I ask that you bless them as they go forward. I, I pray, God, that you continue to bring opportunities to them uh, to bless other churches, and I pray, God, that those projects will go well. And God, just allow them for whatever remaining season uh, that, that you purpose uh, to continue to be a blessing uh, to other churches. We thank you for them. Bless them in every way we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. good day. It's a good day. Well, before I get into the message, today is also our 13th anniversary, and I was initially going to kind of take some time and look back over the last 13 years, but then I thought, well, unless we're going to be here until 2 o'clock, I've got to start cutting some things out of the day. So I've decided that we want to be forward-looking today, so we're not going to look back so much as in the message, I want to look forward, but we have put together a little video that uh, our good friend Matt Branson shot just this past week uh, that is a video of folks answering this question, uh, what do you like about the vineyard? What do you like about the vineyard? Now, just so you know, there are a couple of things in here that are uh, a little bit uncomfortable for me personally because evidently a few people like me. And uh, so, so, so it's a little uncomfortable for me, but just know I'm not the editor of the video, so I did not make the choice to put these things in here. Matt Branson made the choice, all right? All right, actually there's not that much about me, but it's enough that I felt good. So, all right, let's show the video. Fellowship. You know, we're a family. I think uh, our family's gone here for 15 some odd years, and uh, we just love being here as a family, worshiping God together. Like the people here at the Vineyard, uh, a lot of people here feel like family to me, and I like the feeling that I get when I walk in these doors. I think the fellowship and the coming uh, to know the Bible better. Quality of people here is outstanding. You really feel like you're a desired member of the group. I love everything about the vineyard because it's my family. I love every generation. I love seeing the kids go from small infants ago. Now they are graduating. I love the vineyard. I love the pastor and I love the teaching. Everybody is super, super, super friendly, and I just love to walk in and see everybody smile. I love the people, I love um, our church family, and I just um, love that we really do feel like a family and that we, um, we work together that way, we live together that way, and I'm thankful for um, our family here at Vineyard. I like the preacher at Vineyard Christian Church, not just because I'm his father, 
simply because he is a great expositor of the word of the Lord. His messages are very unique, very heartfelt, and goes a long way in helping all of us to obtain a victorious Christian life. Very uh, welcoming place, and the music is wonderful, the worship, and the people are so friendly, and we have a beautiful um, new building and a lot of windows, and it's just so picturesque. I also love the people, and I love the teaching that Brian feel welcome, feel part of the community. It's just a great church to be at. I love that the Lord Jesus Christ is here, that we meet with him every Sunday, and not on Sundays sometimes, that there's worship, there's preaching of the word, there's truth, there's grace, there's love, and we're growing closer to God and becoming more and more like him. Uh, just the people. Uh, you know, I've been here since I was a little kid, and uh, you know, we've been to other churches. I grew up in another church, and, and we just bounced around until we came here, and, and this is home. Um, and we love it, and I'm happy to be here. We have a community where everyone's connected, and everyone cares about how each other are doing, you know, in situations that people are going through and stuff. Great people. Good sermons. Our small groups, where you get the fellowship with a lot of people, and you get to learn... I love the vineyard because everyone is friendly and the teaching and preaching is awesome. We have a wonderful pastor. So it's very nice belonging here with uh, all my other sisters and brothers in Christ. wife said uh, for me to let everyone know that she's my favorite thing at this church. <laughs> Life makes me come. <laughs> You're something else, Mole. All right. Well, today is a good day. We have enjoyed uh, food and fellowship and our expanded building, we're celebrating the completion of this project that I think is uh, so important for our future. Uh, we have had the opportunity to thank folks who have uh, invested in this particular aspect of our 2020 uh, vision. The, the completion of this project was part of our 2020 vision. Uh, we've just seen this video showing that at least a few uh, folks seem to like their church pretty well. And uh, what the people in the video mentioned over and over again is that they love the people of the vineyard. And there are a lot of good people here. And uh, so this has been a, uh, a good day. And I want to spend the rest of our time together. I, I hope I can get this done in a half hour. I'll try my best. I want to spend the rest, probably do better if I don't insert things like that. So I'll, <laughs> I'll move along. Uh, I want to spend the rest of our time together uh, focusing on the future. Marking our 13th anniversary and the uh, completion of this expansion are appropriate things to do, but I want to focus uh, on what's ahead. I want to focus on the future. 
My hope and prayer for each and every one of us here today, individually, and for all of us together, is that our future would be marked by fruitfulness, by fruitfulness. I desire that for you, I desire that for me, I desire that for us uh, together. I am realizing more and more with the passing of each year how precious time is, how quickly time passes. And I am personally realizing that even if I am blessed to live a long life, which I'm not guaranteed and none of us here today are guaranteed, but if I am blessed to live a long life, even then, the next few decades are going to go by so quickly. And I want to make good use of my time. I don't want to waste it. I want to flourish. I want to be fruitful. I want those that I love to flourish. And I want those I love to be fruitful. I want to be able to get to the end of my life and look back at it and feel good about what my life produced for the kingdom of God. Certainly others with greater gifts or different circumstances might get to the end of their life and look back and have produced more fruit, but I want to know that I did the best I could with the gifts that God gave me in the circumstances that God gave me. And I want that for everyone that I know and love. If you do not know this, I love all of you here today. Aw. I, I, I thought I would get an aw. I, <laughs> I love all of you here today. And so, <laughs> and so I want you to be fruitful. No, that, that was not the all on you. All right, that's enough. I want you, when you get to the end of your life, to be able to look back over it and instead of experiencing regret, to be able to know that you lived a fruitful life. That you used the gifts God gave you to the very best of your ability within the circumstances that God placed you in and that you did produce fruit. I want you to be personally fruitful. And I want us to be fruitful together. Amen. I want us to be fruitful together. As a church, I want us to be fruitful for God. I am thankful, extremely thankful for the fruit that we have seen to date. But I want us together to be increasingly fruitful for the kingdom of God in the coming months and years. For each of us individually and for all of us corporately, all of us together, I think the keys to fruitfulness are the same. The keys to your personal fruitfulness and the keys to our fruitfulness together are the same. And so for the next few minutes, I want to share what I believe is needed for you to be personally fruitful and what I believe is needed for us together uh, to be fruitful. Now, 
I'm not presenting this information today as an exhaustive list. I'm, I'm sure there are many other important things that we could uh, put on this list and cite as being important to fruitfulness, but these are four key things, four key commitments that are needed in our lives if we are going to be personally fruitful and if we want to be corporately fruitful as a church. Here's the first one. The first key to personal and corporate fruitfulness is that we need to be committed to, we need to have a growing relationship with Jesus. It's what we talked about last week. We need to have a growing relationship with Jesus. Here's what Jesus taught in John chapter 15 and verse 5. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. You will. But then he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. The key to fruitfulness is being connected to Jesus, the vine. I've lived in my house now for almost 13 years, and uh, I've done the minimal amount of work in the yard that was required to maintain a halfway decent looking yard. But I have planted a couple, not many, but a couple of trees in my yard during that time. I planted a couple of small trees early in when we lived in the house. And when I first planted those trees, I could snap any of the limbs on the trees with my fingers. And now those trees have grown to the point that I would at least need a handsaw, maybe for some of them even need a chainsaw, if I was going to cut those branches uh, off of the trunk of the tree. Those branches have been for 13 years now connected to the trunk, connected to their source of life. And so they have grown and, and they have become strong and, and they produce their, their leaves. Growth is a natural result of being connected to the source of life, of being connected to the vine, for us, of being connected to Jesus. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, this is literally true. We realize this, right? We literally can do nothing apart from Jesus. Jesus is the source and the sustainer of life, he holds the power of life and death for believer and unbeliever alike. Every breath we take is a gift of God. Every breath comes from his hand. So this is literally true. At the same time, I think the way that we should understand this is that Jesus is saying we're not going to be able to produce anything consequential in life apart from him. Apart from him, we can live a life that appears to be successful from a worldly perspective. You know, people who give Christ no place in their life at all, provide for their families, amass wealth, achieve great accomplishments. But in the end, this worldly success does not produce anything of eternal consequence. Doesn't produce anything of eternal impact. We've got to be connected to Christ to produce things with our lives that are eternally consequential. Not just successful, 
by worldly accounting. But to be truly fruitful, we have to be connected to Jesus. To, be, to, to produce fruit that will last through eternity, that will extend into eternity, we have to be connected to Jesus. And when we are connected to Jesus, growth is the natural result. We grow and we produce fruit. While it is the natural result, Jesus says that we have a role to play. And, and, the, and this is where the, you know, the, you, you can't break down every little part of these different analogies and make them all work. They, they serve one main point. You know, the tree in my yard doesn't really have any work to do that I can figure out. The branch doesn't have any work to do to stay connected to the, to the tree trunk. But Jesus says we do have work to do to stay connected to him, the vine. He says, if you remain in me. Our role, our responsibility, our job is to remain. We have to remain in Christ in order to grow and produce fruit. And the way that we do this, brothers and sisters, is what we talked about last week, what I shared last week. If we're going to be personally fruitful, we have to be committed to the Word of God, we have to study the Scriptures, and we have to be committed to prayer. Amen. And as I shared last week, there is no other answer. There isn't. There's no secret code somewhere that allows you to skip the Word of God and prayer and remain connected to Jesus. There's not a cheat code that you can find online anywhere to advance to a higher level of spiritual growth while not engaging with the word and prayer. There's nothing like that. If we want to grow, if we want to be fruitful, if we want to get to the end of life with no regrets, Satisfied that we used our gifts in our circumstances and produced the fruit that God intended for us to produce, we have got to, I've got to, you've got to be committed to the word and to prayer. Corporately, if we're going to have the fruitfulness we should have as a church over the next five to 10 to 15 years and really from now until Christ returns, however long that is, our fruitfulness will increase, I believe, in direct proportion to the number of people who call Vineyard Home who are committed to the Word of God and to prayer. Amen. Your personal life with God impacts our corporate fruitfulness. I believe this with all of my heart. So, for your own fruitfulness and toward the fulfillment of our purpose as a church and toward the fulfillment of the 2020 vision, which I'll uh, say a few things about here in a couple of minutes. I appeal to us, let's be a church as individuals that are in, let's be a church of individuals that are increasingly committed to the word of God and to prayer. There are simply no 
shortcuts. This is the key to fruitfulness. The second thing that's needed for personal and corporate fruitfulness is being committed to the Great Commission. Amen. Amen. The Great Commission, and, and I assume most everyone here knows this, I, I don't mean to be condescending in any way, but the Great Commission is the mission that Jesus left for his followers when he was wrapping up his earthly uh, mission, his, his earthly ministry, and was getting ready to ascend into heaven. So Jesus is leaving, and he's telling his followers how he wants them to spend their lives. This is what the Great Commission is. Jesus is telling his followers how they're to spend their lives, what he wants them to do, and the results that will come, the fruit that will come from the job that he gives them. The fruit that will come if they cooperate with this assignment that he's giving them. And here's what the Great Commission means for every single Christian. It means that no matter what our vocation here on earth is, no matter what we do for a living, fulfilling our purpose, fruitfulness for every Christian is tied to the Great Commission. It is. It is. Whether you are a pastor or whether you're a school teacher or whether you are a businessman or a mechanic or a student or a homemaker or retired or a carpenter or a salesman or an engineer or a fireman or an electrician or an athlete or an attorney or even a politician. (laughs) Whatever your vocation, to be truly fruitful, you need to be committed to the Great Commission. Now, understand what I'm, what I'm not saying, or maybe I should say this, understand what, what, more clearly what I am trying to say. We do everything that we do for the glory of God, okay? Hear that, everything we do glorifies God. Our work glorifies God. Our parenting glorifies God. We glorify God by being a good student and a good teacher and so on and so forth. I'm not saying with this today that nothing else matters. In fact, it's just the opposite. Everything matters. We do everything for the glory of God. But I am saying that in order to live a life that produces the kind of fruit that God wants from us to produce fruit that lasts, to produce fruit that extends into eternity, that has eternal consequences. To live that kind of life, we've got to be committed to the Great Commission. This simply is not an option for believers. It's not a Christian elective. It's not something we choose to do or we choose not to do. It is the responsibility that Jesus has given to his church, that Jesus has given to his followers, that Jesus has given to every one of us who call him Savior and Lord. And here is the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. 
Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is our assignment. Every single one of us given to us by Jesus himself. And I want you to notice that the Great Commission is both concerned with those who are outside the church and those who are inside the church. The Great Commission includes both discipling those who come to faith in Christ, discipling believers being committed to other believers, encouraging one another towards spiritual growth. That's part of the Great Commission. And it includes being committed to the lost, which means being committed to evangelism. Now, it is okay for individual members of the church to focus more heavily on one of those components of the Great Commission than the other. That is okay. But all Christians need to be committed to both aspects of the Great Commission. To helping our brothers and sisters grow in their faith and grow in their likeness to Jesus. But also to be outward focused. To bear witness to Jesus, uh, to those who are far from God. To those who are lost and need saved. From time to time, brothers and sisters, I get wind of negative comments that get made about evangelism or appeals about evangelism. And I say this with uh, great love, but this should not be. This should not be. We absolutely are meant to serve and care for each other. We absolutely are meant to do that. That is a part of of the Great Commission. You see it all through the New Testament. But Christianity, friends, is fundamentally an outward-focused faith. It is fundamentally concerned with those who are far from God. It is. And until we share that concern, And until we act on that concern in some way, our lives are never going to be as fruitful as what they could be. And so to be fruitful individually and corporately, we have to be committed to the Great Commission. And for those of us here at Vineyard Christian Church, that includes being committed to what we have called our 2020 vision. Now, there's nothing unique to us about that. Churches all over the country have 2020 visions, okay? There's, there's nothing unique to us about that. I borrowed that phrase from, you know, 20 different churches I saw, I saw doing it. But here, being committed to the Great Commission means being committed to the 2020 vision. I came to you a little over two years ago and presented this for our church, The 2020 vision describes both the kind of church that we want to be, and it also sets some goals of the things that we would like to accomplish in the five years between 2016 and the end of 2020. 
What we're celebrating here today uh, represents the completion of one of those goals. This building expansion was the completion of one of those goals. Other goals were focused on the number of people that we want to reach, and some of those goals were centered on having an increasingly high number of people within our church family committed to caring for one another in the context of small groups. And so our 2020 vision is both outward-focused and it is also inward-focused. Additionally, the 2020 vision outlined four core things that Vineyard Christian Church is committed to. Those things are inspiring worship services, including excellent programs for kids. The second one is caring small groups. The third one is spiritual education for adults and children. And the fourth one is evangelism. Now, here's the point that I want to make today about our 2020 vision as we, as we move toward a fruitful future, which is what I've titled today's message. By the way, the 2020 vision, if you're saying, I don't know what that is, uh, they are on uh, sheets of paper that tell you what that is or on the bookshelf at the back of the auditorium and at the information center. If you are not already familiar with that, I would ask you to pick that up and familiarize yourself with it. But here's the point that I want to make today about the 2020 vision, and that is that it is grounded in the Great Commission. It's kind of just like our personalized way that, that we're cooperating with the Great Commission. And so what this means in part is that every member of our church as a member of the church, you're saying, you're agreeing to be engaged in one of these four methods of participating in the Great Commission. Serving within the context of our worship services, being a part of a small group, uh, being a part or serving in the context of spiritual education, and being involved in evangelism. Each and every one of these things is rooted and grounded in the Great commission. This isn't something other than that. This isn't something different. This isn't some harebrained idea. This, this is just a personalization for our context of the great commission. And so for personal and corporate fruitfulness, every member of our church is to be committed to ministering in one of these areas. Okay. Now, something I'm sensitive to today is that if you are not careful to hear uh, the heart that is behind what I'm saying, you could very possibly come to dismiss my appeals today as just a bunch of urgent pleas to do more and to do more and to do more. Brian, you've just been telling us to, to chill out <laughs> and to relax. And, and now today it sounds like you're saying do more and do more and do more and do more. And I want to assure you that is not what I'm after today. I'm not after just making everybody busy. That's not what I want. I want increased corporate fruitfulness. I want that. And by the way, that is a completely God-honoring desire. Okay? It is. But I also share this because I know something from the Scriptures I know that ministering to other people, being involved in ministry is a key 
to personal fruitfulness and to personal fulfillment. And so because I love you and I want you to live a fruitful and fulfilling life, it is my desire for everyone to be actively engaged in ministry. You see, being involved in ministry is a means of blessing in our lives. And it is, it is a way that we get to the end of our life and we look back over it and we're able to say, I don't have any regrets. We're able to say, I produced the fruit that, that I was supposed to to produce. Listen to Proverbs eleven twenty five. And before I read this wonderful verse, I'm just going to mention that I see fans going. And so if someone in the booth could maybe turn the temperature down a degree or two, that would be uh, delightful. All right. Proverbs eleven twenty five. Listen to this verse. It's fantastic. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. What a wonderful verse. Serving others in the name of Christ is one of the most surefire ways to personal fulfillment. It is one of the most surefire ways to experience joy in this life. Serving others is a key to flourishing as a human being. When we tell others about Jesus, when we encourage a brother or sister in their faith, when we train a child in the ways of the Lord, when we welcome someone who's coming into a worship service for the first time, when we take food to a brother or sister who are in difficulty, when we assist a congregation in singing praises to God, each and every one of those things properly understood are rooted in the Great Commission and when we do those things, they refresh us and they help us to prosper in the ways that matter most. And friends, here's something that I have found. When you give yourself to serving others and you see the fruit that comes from that, you want to do it again and you want to do it again because you want more fruit. It is such a rewarding, such a fulfilling thing that you want more fruit. And this is an important aspect of being great commission people. And it's something that I think we desperately need as a church. We need a godly desire for more. Not more stuff, not more possessions, for more fruit, for more fruit. The Great Commission, by definition, wants more and more and more and more. The Great Commission, by definition, is not satisfied until every hungry heart says yes to Jesus. Until that happens, the Great Commission wants more. The Great Commission is not satisfied with one, here's an old word for you, backslidden Christian having their faith reignited. Not satisfied with that. 
wants to see it happen over and over and over again. Wants all the backslidden Christians to have their faith reignited. It isn't satisfied with one child learning about Jesus. Wants all the children to learn about Jesus. Isn't satisfied with one lost person coming to faith in Christ, but wants every lost person to come to faith in Jesus Christ. Great commission people are people who have a godly desire for more. They do not say things like, I don't want our church to get any larger. (laughs) They don't say that. They don't say, I want things to stay just like they are. Great, this may be the most important thing that's said here today. Listen up. Great commission people desire more because God desires more. He is not willing that anyone should perish, but that everyone would come to repentance. And so until everyone comes to repentance, Christians are to desire more. A desire for more fruit is a godly desire. And we need to have toward a fruitful future. We need to have an increasing number of people who have enough of a godly desire for more fruit that they cry out to God for more. Give us more. Give us more. For personal and corporate fruitfulness, we need to be committed to a growing relationship with Jesus. We need to be committed to the Great Commission. And here's the third thing that is needed, is a commitment to walk in unity. And everybody said amen. Amen. A commitment to walk in unity. Look, anything that you do in life, any sphere of life that you want to talk about, If you lack unity with the folks you're doing it with, things are not going to go well. You will suffer personally, and the group will suffer. Tonight, the Cleveland Cavaliers are going to be playing a basketball game after one of their players did the most boneheaded thing that has ever been done in the history of sports. It (laughs) Poor Contrell, he's... He's traumatized by that outcome. (laughs) He did something that cost them the game. It was the kind of thing that was so egregious that you don't see how it could not damage the team's unity. You you just don't, I mean, you watch LeBron in disgust just walk away from the guy. Just couldn't take it. And and you can imagine that this is going to damage the team's unity and, and damage their chemistry. And if they're not careful... They could go from the potential of being able to win this series to getting swept just because of the disunity and the the disruption of the chemistry that this boneheaded decision could unleash on their team. But here's the deal. 
But here's the deal. If they have any hope of winning this series, they have to find a way to get past that and to work together because the dude happens to be like their third or fourth best player. In spite of the boneheaded thing he did, they're not winning without him. Now, in spite of me on Facebook calling for his immediate release from the team, <laughs> once, once, I, once I settled down a little bit, I realized cooler heads prevailed and I realized they actually cannot win without him. And, and so they have to remain unified if they have any hope of winning the series. And, and if they cannot remain unified either because the team can't get over it and trust him again or because the player conducts himself in a way where, where, where he can't, uh, you know, re-earn the trust of the team, then this offseason, what will happen is he'll be traded or he'll be released. And here's why. Because disunity, division is bad for everyone involved. It is bad for individuals. It is bad for the group. And so for your sake and for the sake of the church, we need everyone here at Vineyard to be unified with each other. And I'm not saying this because I know of anything going on. I'm not. I, I'm in, at, at present moment, I am in a state of probably blissful ignorance that, that everything is going pretty, pretty well. All right? All right? But you, you see this stuff in the scriptures, and so we're going to talk about it. And I know human nature, so we're going to talk about it. And I know how disruptive it is to fruitfulness, so we're going to talk about it. Hopefully for not very much longer, but we are going to talk about it for just a minute. So here's what we do here at the Vineyard. As people become members, we try our best to explain to them what we believe, what we see our mission as being, how the church is governed, and what is expected of members. We do that up front so that people have an opportunity to determine if they can walk in unity with us. Now here's what I want to say. Our mission, our vision, our values are solid. They are all biblically based, biblically founded, Biblically aligned, our foundational beliefs, our statement of faith, these foundational beliefs are straight from the Bible. And here's the point. For a Bible-believing Christian, it should be easy to walk in unity here. It should. There's nothing going on here that it shouldn't be very easy for a Bible-believing Christian to walk in unity with, okay? Now, here's a potential stumbling block. Our leadership is imperfect. I know all of our leaders. There's not a perfect one in the group, including me. Not that you needed me to say that. You knew there's not a perfect leader. But I want to be straight with you today. While we do not have any perfect leaders here, we do have good leaders here. And I think it should actually be quite easy 
to walk in unity with our leaders here, including me. And so if you find yourself struggling with that, you need to go to the leader that you are struggling with. If it's me, come to me. And you need to work through it and get unified because disunity in a church is destructive. And since it is destructive, it is unacceptable and it is intolerable. And here's why. Because it will compromise your fruitfulness individually and it will compromise the church's fruitfulness because division destroys. Division destroys. And so we have to always be on guard against it for our own sake and for the church's sake. In 1 Corinthians 1, chapter 10, the Apostle Paul, dealing with a church that was suffering from divisions, the Apostle Paul made an appeal that is relevant to all churches in all times, to this very day, and to this very church. He wrote, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. He appeals in the name of Christ. That's how important unity is. Friends, there are tons of things, many things, that we can disagree on, and it will not impact our unity. But on those things that we bother to say, hey, here's the things that we need to agree on, Hey, here's the things that, that if we don't see eye to eye on these, it's going to be difficult to walk in unity. On those things, we need to be in agreement. We need to walk in unity. Psalm 133.1 says, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. And I think verse 2 says, How miserable it is when they don't. <laughs> just, just joking, it doesn't say that. All right, probably one of the most important points I needed to get to today, I really haven't left myself the time for unless you clamor for it, so I'll just, uh, I'll just state it here. The fourth thing that is needed for personal and corporate fruitfulness is to be confident in the love and the power of God. If we are gonna be fruitful for God's kingdom, we've gotta come to believe what is true, that God loves us. He is for us. He wants what's best for us. And everything he tells us to do, including being involved in the Great Commission, is because he loves us. And we also have to have a growing confidence in the power of God. Amen. Friends, you know we serve a God who has all power in heaven and on earth, right? He is all-powerful. He's all-powerful. So since I really haven't left myself enough time, let me just read you two verses that speak to the power of God. Exodus 15, 6. Your right hand, O Lord, is glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, 
smashes the enemy. What a great verse. What a great verse. Deuteronomy 24. For the Lord your God goes with you to fight against your enemies and to give you victory. To be personally and corporately fruitful, we have to have a growing confidence in the love and power of God. Friends, when I arrive at the end of my time on earth and I look back over my life, I want it to have been fruitful for God. I desire that very same thing for you. That's what we were created for. That's what we have been redeemed for. And so I don't want to waste my life. I want to use it for the reason that I was given it. And I want you to use your life for the reason that you were given it. I want you to be able to get to the end of your life and look back. And no, none of us are going to see a perfect life. But we can see a life that was lived for God, that used our gifts for God's glory, and we can see a life that produced fruit that will last throughout eternity. And that is what I desire for you. So friends, let's make the most of our time. Let's go into a fruitful future and allow God through our lives to produce fruit that will last forever. Why don't you stand?